you know, rebels want to do things in an unconventional way. And so also the thing about informed fitness that appeals to rebels is like, oh, everybody else is on the treadmill for 90 minutes and like they're <laughs> pedaling away and doing the Stairmaster and like we know the secret way. We figured it out. Like we're doing it this unconventional way and everybody tells you you have to do this and we're telling you, no, you don't. You don't have to listen to all of them because we know the like the secret arcane way to fitness and like, you know, even your doctor doesn't even, you know, your doctor's workers, they don't know what they're talking about. We figured it out. <laughs> Hey, Inform Nation, that was best-selling author and award-winning podcaster Gretchen Rubin, who is our guest for the next two episodes here on the Inform Fitness Podcast, 20 Minutes with New York Times best-selling author Adam Zickerman and friends. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Tim Edwards, the founder of the Inbound Podcasting Network and a client of Inform Fitness. Now, in just a minute, the founder of Inform Fitness himself, Adam Zickerman, will be joined by Sheila Melody, who is the co-owner of the Inform Fitness in Toluca Lake, California, Mike Rogers, the general manager of Inform Fitness in New York City, and of course, our guest, Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen has a very popular weekly podcast titled Happier with Gretchen Rubin, where she discusses good habits and happiness with her sister, Elizabeth Kraft. Her podcast was named in iTunes lists of best podcasts of 2015 and was also named in the Academy of Podcasters best podcasts of 2016. So we're delighted to have her today. Gretchen Rubin is also the author of several books, including the blockbuster New York Times bestsellers, Better Than Before, The Happiness Project, Happier at Home, and her forthcoming book to be released later this summer titled The Four Tendencies, Learn How to Understand Yourself Better and Also How to Influence Others More Effectively. Now here in this episode, we will be discussing what those four tendencies are, how you can find out what your tendencies are, and how those tendencies might affect how clients of Informed Fitness could approach their workout. And this is pretty cool. Gretchen Rubin has been interviewed by Oprah, eaten dinner with Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman, and has actually walked arm in arm with the Dalai Lama. And now is interviewed by Adam Zickerman. Looks like Adam's in good company. Let's get to it. Here is Gretchen Rubin on the Inform Fitness Podcast. Gretchen, thank you so much for coming on our show. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> and uh, so, Mike, since you're the one who's working with Gretchen all these time, all these years, why don't you uh, introduce her a little bit? Okay. Well, uh, uh, I just looked through our database and I just found out that she's on her 498th session. <laughs> wow. In, uh, wow. in uh, 12 years, 11, 11 years, I think 2005, so almost, tw almost oh 12 years. She is by far our biggest referrer. She's consistent. Except when she's on her book tour and uh, you know we're on vacation or something like that. But uh, uh, it's been such a pleasure to have Gretchen as a client here. She's become a great friend. Uh, her husband works out here. Her father-in-law, her mother-in-law, her children. So uh, we're very, very grateful to have you as a client and a friend, and uh, and to have you on the podcast as well. It's such a pleasure to see her every week because. First of all, she is very easy to train because she's always on time. She works very, very hard. She follows directions. Uh, she really well, goes. Well, that's because she's an upholder. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> Classic yeah. upholder, which yeah. we'll talk about later. You know, in the in the time, the thirty minutes we have together, we ha we are really able to get out the. A very intense workout. I always look forward to it because we have the most engaging conversations about 
sugar and fitness and psychology. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to it all the time. It really doesn't feel like work to me. Um, I just wanted to welcome you to the podcast. And you know, it's so happy. To, it's so great to have you. That here. was very well, it's, sweet. It's so fun to be here. <laughs> and I was thinking as I was walking here, I was like, it's so fun to be coming and having getting to talk to you without actually having to work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I thought yeah. you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I enjoy the talking part. I don't yeah. enjoy the, 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 yeah. the, the weightlifting part is, uh, is less enjoyable than your conversation. Yeah, right. But it's not terrible. Thank you. It's so, fine. By it's the time a, I'm ready for it to be over, it's over. And well, that's the great advantage of informed fitness. I, I, did, I did some quick math, by the way. And 12 years, uh, 498 uh, workouts in 12 years, that's 41 workouts a year. So that is a, oh. as consistent as it can get. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. It is, it's fantastic. So think about that. 41, that's, that's 20 hours of work. That's it. That's 20 hours a year of working well, I mean, out. That is, the th- that is the thing that whenever I am trying to sell informed fitness on people, I always say it's 20 minutes. Like, do you have 20 minutes a week? And there's no music, no mirror, no sweating, no waiting. Mm-hmm. And, awesome. and like it's you know now the 20 it's not, it's not gonna get better than that yeah you're not gonna find something that you're gonna like better than that Gretchen you were one of the first people that we talked about we wanted to have on this show because Sheila's been listening to your podcast for quite some time and of course with your relationship the there time. at Inform Fitness the whole time yes <laughs> and, and it ties in nicely with what you're doing but if you could before we dive into your workout tell us about what you do and what led you to Inform Fitness well I'm a writer principally but I, I, I've written books about how happiness and good habits and human nature. So I'm probably best known for my book, The Happiness Project. And I have a podcast called Happier um, that I do with my sister, uh, Liz Craft. And I found out about Informed Fitness because basically a friend told me. She was describing her workout to me and I thought, this is fantastic. I had been reading a lot of research about why people were increasingly thinking that high intensity workouts were more effective than kind of, you know, that because I always thought it was like, you're supposed to do like three sets of 12 repetitions at a medium weight, you know, and this was like, no, 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 that's, that's not the way to really like work out efficiently. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was intrigued by it. And then, you know, one of my favorite sayings is a Zen saying that when the, when the student is read, ready, the teacher will appear. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I was out to lunch with this friend and she was describing her workout to me. And I'm like, bang, I'm in like, where is this place? And I found out it's a long walk, but it's actually a walk for my apartment. So that's part of my exercise is to walk here. It was exactly what I was looking for because I had become so convinced about the the logic and the research behind high intensity workouts. All right. Now, Sheila, when you and I very first met, we were talking about podcasting. You brought up Gretchen because you've been listening, like you said, since the beginning. Well, first of all, Gretchen, I just want to you know, say, I am a huge fan, but I also want to thank you for being so, you're so open, you know, you're on your, you know, you reveal a lot about yourself. It's it's a courageous thing, in my opinion. <laughs> you reveal I a agree. lot about yourself and your personal life and everything, and it helps people. You know, whenever I read your books, I start to get all like, oh my gosh, this is so, you know, there's a, a guidelines, guidelines oh. to getting to know yourself and how do you do that and how is that going to then lead to good habits or changing your habits or making your life better or happier. So, oh, well, that's so nice to hear. Thank yes, you. Thank you so much. And yeah, I just wanted to say that. Thank you so much for being courageous about revealing a lot of yourself in this, in all your work. <laughs> well, it's powerful. It's yeah. powerful to hear somebody talk that way. Well, so you know, I, th- I think what it is, is that sometimes people, you can read about a study or you can read great advice and you think you're sort of nodding your head and you think, yeah, like that seems right. That seems true. But when you read how somebody else has sort of put it into li- into their own life, how they put it into action, sometimes then it's easier to imagine how you would put it into your life. Maybe you would do something differently, but 
you can sort of imagine how to concretely apply it mm-hmm. more easily because you don't have to make mm-hmm. that jump from sort of the theoretical to the practical. Because right. I'm all about like, how do you actually do something tomorrow morning? Like, exactly. Not, you know, because we can all read stuff that sounds great, but then what, what do people actually do differently? And, and that's what's hard. So I think sometimes just an example is helpful mm-hmm. with people. That's, that's great. So let's talk about the book. The name of the book is called Better Than Before. Yeah. So better than so I've been writing about happiness and I found that when people were talking about a happiness challenge they face, a lot of times it was a problem with a habit. Like I'm exhausted all the time because I, I'm in the habit of not going to bed on time. So better than before was an attempt to try to help people understand how to change their habits. Like how do you actually change a habit? Um, and what I found is there are actually 21 strategies that people can use to make or break their habits. And 21 sounds like a lot. But the fact is some of these strategies work for some people and not for other people. And some strategies are available to us at some times in our lives and not at other times in our lives. So it's good that there's so many because you can really pick and choose the ones that are going to work for you. Um, Because some like absolutely do not work for some people. And this is important because a lot of times when people are trying to help other people change their habits or when you're trying to change your own habits, you think like, well, what's the best way? I'm going to start small. I'm going to do it for 30 days. I'm going to give myself a cheat day. Um, I'm going to do it first thing in the morning. And these can work for some people, but they don't work for everybody all the time. And so it's good to know all the options and so that you can really begin by saying, what is the right thing for you? So I try to really lay out the whole framework so that people can start saying like, yeah, I, I remember when I was in college, I did that and that worked really well. Or, oh yeah, I remember, you know, when I tried it that way, didn't work last time. Maybe it's not going to work that way. This time, maybe I should try a different way. And to help figure out which habits are best and will work best for you, you came up with the four tendencies. Yes. Yeah, so I stumbled across this, this four tendencies framework when I was writing Better Than Before because I was very struck by these different patterns that I saw and how people could successfully make or break habits or like particular challenges they faced. And actually, my next book is called The Four Tendencies because since, since mm. I've introduced it, people have, been, have just been deluging me with, with questions about it. So I thought, okay, I'm going to write a book about The Four Tendencies um, <laughs> and like, figure it all out for myself. <laughs> so The Four Tendencies, and Mike, you and I have talked about this endlessly um, <laughs> because I'm always picking your brain. Um, the Four Tendencies are upholder, questioner, obliger, and rebel. And I argue that everybody is one of these their whole life, you know, in all contexts. And it has to do with how you deal with an expectation. So there are outer expectations like work deadlines or a request from a spouse. And then there's there are inner expectations like uh, your own desire to keep a New Year's resolution, your own desire to start meditating. So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. So they meet the work deadline. They keep the New Year's resolution without that much fuss. Questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they hate anything arbitrary or inefficient or irrational. Their first question is, why should I listen to you? (laughs) Um, So essentially, they make everything an inner expectation because if it meets their criteria, they'll do it. And if it doesn't meet their criteria, they will resist it. Then there are obligers. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. And I, I grasped this when a friend of mine said, I don't understand it. I know I would be happier if I exercised. And when I was in high school, I was on the track team and I never missed track practice. So why can't I go running now? Well, I would say when she had a team and a coach waiting for her, she had no trouble. But when it's just her own desire to run, she struggles. And then there are rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. 
if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist, and they don't even like to tell themselves <laughs> what to do. So these now I know what I know that Mike is a questioner because he has proved this to me over and over and over in my, in my conversations. But I don't know. Do You've you guys know what your tendency is? <laughs> yes, we all took the quiz. Yes. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, okay, we all took it. What are you? Uh, I'm definitely a questioner. Yeah. I think anyone that knows me also would agree with that. True. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I do feel myself kind of uh, in a gray area of rebel. I, I do find myself being very kind of uh, because you told me to do it, yeah. I'm going to question it, which makes me a questioning <laughs> rebel. I don't yeah. know. Nobody who, <laughs> nobody who creates uh, the power of 10 or develops this type, type of weight training is not a rebel a little bit, I think. Well, I didn't yeah. develop it. I, I, kind of, I, I kind of popularized it, if anything, and, which is what we're doing on this podcast. Uh, so, Sheila, what are you? Well, I'm an obliger. <laughs> and, you know, I, I knew I was an obliger when I first heard the tendencies, but yeah. I've, t I've taken the test several times. Please let me not be an obliger. <laughs> you know? Because I read, I reread the chapter uh, just the other day, and I was like, it's so true. As you say, obligers don't really like their tendency <laughs> because they get <laughs> over, you know, like kind of tend to get overwhelmed because they're meeting other people's expectations and not their own. You know. but so I would say this about the obligers. First of all, it's the largest tendency. It's the one that most people belong, belong to. So you're in good company mm -hmm. because like 40% okay. of the world, men and women, is obliger. <laughs> um, they're the ones that pair up the most easily. So like they get along with other people the best. And also, I think the advantage of the obliger tendency is that, so all of the tendencies have strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. the, oblige, the weakness of the obliger tendency is the easiest to fix. It's the easiest kind of buttress to put in because all they need is outer accountability. If they have outer accountability, they can meet an inner expectation. That's very easy. Mm. The, the limitations and weaknesses of my, my, my tendency, upholder tendency, it's very abstract. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very kind of abstract, difficult to put your finger on thing to fix. And so it's much harder to offset it mm -hmm. whereas i feel like with uh, the obligers it's just plain as day how just to offset it so i feel like yeah they have this they have this thing they have to deal with but it's easy for them to deal with whereas like with a questioner or a rebel or an upholder it's like man it's just trickier More it's complex. trickier to handle the weakness but one thing i read and i'm so excited about this now because i rereading re this and thinking that obligers pair up really well with rebels Yes. And so well, that, now I'm that, like, that's okay. That's to the T for you. Oh, you <laughs> I need to. The rebel? Well, I'm not, but now I know what to look for. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? She likes the bad boy. Been, though, yeah. So. yeah. You know, so I think well, your maybe. your friends are rebels. Yeah. I mean, I, actually, yes. But as far as a personal relationship, that's what I think I'm going to start looking for now. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, when you sit back, when you sit back yep. and think about all the, uh, the tendencies, I think um, when you think about the virtues of all of them, uh, to me, uh, I actually like the idea of the obliger because I feel like the biggest trait that accompanies that is people-pleasing. And I mean, obviously, that's, that's sometimes that could be very, very bad sometimes. But I feel like just uh, as a, in the world that we live in, to have that sort of outlook that you want to help other people, you know, I think the fact that we're fitness practitioners, uh, health practitioners, um, I feel like it, it, it's fitting, you know, and sometimes when I, when I realize that I am an obliger, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I, I don't hate that trait because I, I think also, cause I think I know that I fit into other categories as well, but I don't know. That's what I, I, I think. Well, it's, um, it's interesting because I've had several people say to me that they wanted only higher obligers. 
you know, because oh. they're like, we're, we're a company, like our culture is client first, you know, customer always. Oh, and we want people who are going to bring this, like this outer expectation is going to be, you know, is going to be paramount to them. Because the fact is, with an upholder, they're kind of like, well, you know what? I got my own problems. Like, I know the <laughs> client wants to talk to me at 8 p.m. on a Friday, but I've got to be, like, in my son's recital. And, like, I'm just, he's just going to have to wait. In some places, that works. And in some places, they're like, nope, we really need you. And now, yeah. it's not to say that other tendencies can't, can't accommodate that culture because everybody can learn to deal with it. But it's certainly true that for obligers, um, several people have said to me, they think like, oh, in my profession, it's a big advantage to have an obliger outlook. Mm-hmm. I think especially if you're a new employee somewhere, because you know when you're new, you always want to do more, impress more, be more available. And I think like when you're, especially when you're starting a job or starting something like that, I think uh, that I think that's what an employer wants to see after they hire you is that you are that type of person or an upholder. Well, it's interesting because it all because one of the things I should say about the the, the tendencies is this is just one aspect of somebody's personality. So, some problems I have with some personality frameworks is they try to explain too much about you. Like, Mm -hmm. you're these fifteen things, and I'm like, well, no, I'm not. This is one tiny thing. So we could take fifty questioners and line them up, and they would look very different depending on how ambitious they were, how intellectual they were, how curious they were, how considerate they were, how extroverted they were. and so they would be very different. But in this way, how do they respond to an expectation? They would be the mm, same. Right. And so it doesn't explain everything about you, but it does explain this one thing. And by the way, if somebody doesn't know what they are from this, this, uh, this um, discussion, I, Sheila, you mentioned the quiz. You can yeah. take the quiz at happiercast.com slash quiz. It's a short quiz that will tell you what you are. Can but you, a lot of times people can just tell what they are from the description. Hmm. Can you repeat that again where, where you can find it's it? It's happiercast.com slash quiz. I'm going to have all my trainers take the quiz. Well, I am because I want to know, you know, how to, it'll help me to managing them and and them to relating to their clients. I think it has huge implications for things like, like I think a lot about like if I were, you know, like if I were training somebody, what would I think, what, what, what would I think about? Um, and I think one of the things that working out this way gives is it does give accountability. Like mm-hmm. somebody has an appointment with you and like I know if I don't show up, it's like Mike, I've wasted Mike's time because, um, you know, I'm, I've taken that slot. Now, one thing I've proposed um, because to up the accountability. I know what she's going to say. Yeah, because I've proposed <laughs> this before. See what you think. I think a lot of people know, a lot of obligers know they need accountability. I think if I were you, I would offer people the option to say, if you choose, we will charge you triple if you do not show oh my gosh. within a day of canceling. You can choose to opt into that. I would bet some people would choose that wow. because they would want to make the accountability greater. That's hard. And I bet we would never have to do that. Yeah, I mean, we'd never have to do it. Yeah, that's what people would want. Accountability like this is something that is very important for obligers. This kind of accountability. Mm -hmm. There's other aspects I think of infirm that suit it to other tendencies that are not. But for an upholder and a questioner, outer accountability doesn't matter that much. Mm. We don't need a lot of outer accountability because we have our inner expectations. But so for like a questioner, one of the things that is true about questioners, they love to customize. And they love for things to be efficient and rational. And so, like, one of the things that, like, my father's a questioner, and he's, he lives in Kansas City. He's working out with a trainer now. 
And he loves talking about, why are we working out this way? Why is this muscle important? Why, why are you shifting the chair this way? Why are you repositioning my arms? And like the idea, I'm customizing it for you. These are your strengths. These are your weaknesses. These are your former injuries. This is like where you want to improve performance. It's customized. It's efficient. It's like the, it's like the cutting edge uh, research. And that is what is compelling to a questioner more than the accountability because they can make themselves do anything they, they decide is what sh should be done. What they need is to really be convinced. They need to be convinced this is what I should be doing. I trust your judgment. I trust your, 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 your knowledge. Um, and this is like the right thing for me right now. And so that's like a different message. And then for the rebel, you know, rebels want to do things like they often will do things in an unconventional way. Like, so if they quit smoking, they don't join a usual cessation program. They do it in some like bizarre way or they do some unusual form of yoga. Mm -hmm. And so also thinking about, about that, I was thinking that about informed fitness that appeals to rebels is like, oh, everybody else is on the treadmill for 90 minutes and like they're <laughs> pedaling away and doing the Stairmaster and like we know the secret way. We figured it out. Like we're doing it this unconventional way and everybody tells you you have to do this and we're telling you no, you don't. You don't have to listen to all of them because we know the like the secret arcane way to fitness and like, you know, even your doctor doesn't even, you know, your doctor's orders, they don't know what they're talking about. We figured it out. Um, so that's a very kind of rebel. Or also rebel. That's my kind of client. Yeah. <laughs> they, you can, you can, they can do anything they want to do. And I know, Mike, one of the things that you mentioned is fun for people when they start working out is like they'll go skiing and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I'm skiing so much better. Like their mm -hmm. performance is mm -hmm. so affected. Well, a rebel, like a rebel might be like, well, I want to do it because I want to be stronger. I want to feel younger and more energetic. I want to mm -hmm. I want my, my skiing or my golf game or my tennis game to improve. That's what I want. I can do anything I want. I choose to do this because this is going to get me what I want. Mm -hmm. And so there's like, you can see though how different messages will resonate with people right. yeah. depending on what their tendency is. So as an upholder, yeah. you probably don't. I don't need any question. You just uh, just tell me what to do and I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. Well, one of the things I love about Inform as an upholder, I realize, is like one of the things that's very striking about this gym is there's nothing else to do. There's no like options of going on the treadmill or having a bike. There's nothing else that you can do. You come in, you work out with a trainer, you leave. Mm -hmm. And you can't like you can't opt to work out for two hours. It's like you're gonna do this and then you're out. You can't. Can you do it three days a week? No, we won't train you three days a week. <laughs> right. Like it's very it's very much. You don't like, get many choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like for me, it's very satisfying because like it's like I come in, I do it, it's done. I have a feeling of like total fulfillment and like I've absolutely done everything that I can do. I've mm -hmm. earned my gold star. Check that box. It's check that box. It's done. And like there's no lingering feeling of should I be doing more or whatever. It's like you've done the most that you can do. For those members of our audience who might be hearing you for the first time, Gretchen, if you would, just give us a little history on what led you to your award-winning podcast. I saw you picked up an award at Podcast Movement in Chicago mm -hmm. last year, and that yeah. had to be thrilling, and you've been doing this for just a couple of years. Just yeah. lead us into what okay. led you to the podcast. Did you write your books first and fi figured right. that it'd be a good idea to support it with your podcast? Tell us about your journey with your, with your podcast. So I've been writing um, and talking to people about happiness and good habits for years. And then I had the opportunity to start a podcast. And I thought this would be great because, um, first of all, I've always wanted to collaborate with my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. She's a TV writer and producer living in L.A. So um, I'm very far away from her. And, um, but I, she's one of the most important people in my life. And we've always wanted to collaborate together. So this seemed like a great opportunity. And it was a, w a different way to connect with my audience. You know, I wrote books. I have a daily blog. 
Um, but this is a very like the podcast is a very different medium. It's a very intimate medium because you're talking right into people's heads. Um, it's conversational, and so one of the things I love about writing is you can get the words exactly right, but then you lose kind of the spontaneity and sort of the fun that comes from conversation. Um, and uh, it's been fantastic because we've engaged with a whole new group of people. And um, because I'm always trying to understand human nature better, that's great because I learn so much from our listeners who like get in touch all the time. Um, and it's just been really, really fun to explore happiness and good habits and human nature um, and to, you know, every week hang out, you know, over you know, in an audio way yeah. with my sister. Yeah, you're spearheading cool. a community. Basically. Yeah, no, it's, it's really fun. It's really fun. Tell us about, uh, how about a plug for, for Liz's new podcast coming oh, up, which yes, is a yes. spinoff of yours, right? Right, yeah. So uh, Liz is, having a, is doing, starting a podcast called Happier in Hollywood, which she is co-hosting with her writing partner, Sarah Fain, who's her longtime writing partner and also one of her good friends from high school. So she's known her forever. Um, and they are doing a podcast that's all about how to be happier in Hollywood, um, which is all about like the crazy, crazy <laughs> show business, you know, life. That- it is, I have to say, I've heard the first couple episodes uh, preview, and it is so great. They have some crazy, crazy stories, and it's 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 it's, it's and it's interesting stuff, even if you're not a Hollywood person. It's interesting, you know. I can't help. I have all these habits and, and, and techniques in my head now after reading your book and what you were just saying. What led to the podcast? You have a whole new audience. So, in other words, there are some people that read your blog. Yeah, there might be some people that read your books. There are some people that listen to your podcast. They might not be doing all three. Right. Yes. Some people. There are some yeah. tendencies to listen to podcasts. It's yeah. easier for people to listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people it's easier for them to read your blog. Yeah. So it's really interesting. So you're you're expanding your universe and however they find you, they find you. And I, I think that's really important because different different media work for different people. And like you say, like a podcast you can listen to while you're walking your dog mm-hmm. and you can't read a book or watch a video. But then, you know, if you want to mark something up, you need you want a written version. So <laughs> it all de- like you want to have a it's good, I think, to have a lot of different forms of ways for people to connect because then they can choose what works for them. And more and more people nowadays. I, I mean, like I love reading books, but sometimes I catch myself reading like four or five at a time and yeah. getting you know, very slowly through some and very quickly through others and just. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's like just all right. Well, I got I got the podcast, so that's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's I, I just don't have time to yeah. you know to read yeah. another book yeah. or whatever. So it's the way it is. You're doing dishes or you're mm-hmm. driving. You can listen to a podcast. Yeah, I never would have gotten just... through uh, the biography of Alexander Hamilton without the the audio. It never mm. would have happened. And I had both. Uh, I had the book. I had the iPad. I had the audio. Just, <laughs> there you without, go. Without, but literally, I probably did seventy five percent of it in the car. I yeah. tried yeah. audio books. I couldn't stand the voice. No matter whose voice it is, I didn't want to hear this person anymore. Even if it was like Christopher oh Walken. God. We Especially. live on audio books. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, out here, I'm in the car all yeah. the time. And, and so I, I'm yeah. pleased to know that your books are also available on Audible. So I can now. Did you yeah. narrate the books on Audible? Is well, it that's you? an interesting question because I did the Happiness Project and Better Than Before, and I'm going in in a month to do the Four Tendencies. <laughs> I did oh. not do Happier at Home because a friend of mine. Who, or actually an acquaintance who I later found out had a husband who's an actor, um, had argued in a group very persuasively that you really owed it to your listening audience to have a professional actor record your book because they were the ones who could really read. And I believe, I, I, I was like, wow, she's right. And so thinking that that was serving my audience better, I had somebody else do it, even though I like doing the audio. Mm-hmm. 
And boy, I have heard from so many people to the point where I'm almost thinking of asking if I could re-record the audio for Hop Your Tongue because people yeah. really yes. do not like it. Agreed. If it's, right. a first, yeah. if it's a first person narrative and you're not reading it, they really, really feel like that that, that is not what they want. It's a totally disconnect. Agree. It is a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, from, I learned my lesson. And so from now on, I always do read the audio. Well, um, and it's fun. It's actually a very, it's a, it's a kind of a cool, like, when I read um, one of my books, when, when I read Better Than Before, um, I, Jim Dale had just been there recording uh, Harry Potter, and they were telling me about all the security measures oh, wow. that they had had yeah. to put into place for oh dealing God. with the Harry Potter file. So it's fun. It's like a whole different world to be yeah. part of it. So I do, I do record them now. Thank you, Gretchen Rubin, for joining us here on the Inform Fitness Podcast. Hey, in the show notes, we will include a link to all of Gretchen's books in Audible, just like she mentioned, and, of course, to her website, GretchenRubin.com. There, you can purchase hardback copies of all of her books, listen to her podcast, and even take the online quiz that we all took to discover which of the four tendencies rings true with you. Gretchen joins us again next week as we continue discussing the framework for the four tendencies. We'll also be chatting about managing four foundational habits that we all share. So make sure you join us for that. Also, we are winding down our month-long contest here in May of 2017. Remember, we want to reward all of you for listening to the Informed Fitness Podcast by offering a free training session at an Informed Fitness location nearest you. All you have to do is leave Informed Fitness a review on Yelp, Google, Facebook, Amazon, or iTunes. Screenshot that review and email it to podcast at informfitness.com to claim your free session and to qualify for the grand prize, which includes a personally autographed copy of Adam's book, Power of 10, The Once-A-Week Slow-Motion Fitness Revolution. You'll also receive an Inform Fitness t-shirt, hat, and a hoodie jacket, and we'll top off the prize pack with a device to listen to all of the Inform Fitness podcasts, Amazon Music, audiobooks from Audible, and more using the Alexa voice service with your very own Amazon Echo. If you haven't seen the Amazon Echo yet, check out the link in the show notes for a full description and videos explaining what it does and how it works. Now, here are the rules. You can only receive one free training session for your reviews. However, you get an entry into the grand prize drawing for each review that you submit. For instance, if you leave us a review in, say, Yelp, iTunes, and Facebook, you still get one free training session overall, but three entries into the grand prize. So again... Submit those reviews, screenshot it, and email them to podcast at informfitness.com. You must get those emails to us by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, May 31st, 2017 to qualify for the free session and the grand prize drawing. The winner will be announced on our Monday, June 5th episode right here on the Inform Fitness Podcast. All right, I'm done yapping until next week. Thanks so much for listening. And for Adam Zickerman, Sheila Melody, and Mike Rogers, I'm Tim Edwards with the Inbound Podcasting Network.